Part 4 of Home Education Series, Volume 1, Home Education. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Home Education Series, Volume 1, Home Education, by Charlotte Mason. Part 4, Preface. Some Habits of Mind, Some Moral Habits. A science of education. Allow me to say once more that I venture to write upon subjects bearing on home education with the greatest deference to mothers, believing that in virtue of their peculiar insight into the dispositions of their own children, they are blessed with both knowledge and power in the management of them which lookers-on can only admire from afar. At the same time, there is such a thing as a science of education that does not come by intuition, in the knowledge of which it is possible to bring up a child entirely according to natural law, which is also divine law, in the keeping of which there is great reward. Education in habit favors an easy life. We have seen why habit, for instance, is such a marvelous force in human life. I find this view of habit very encouraging as giving a scientific reasonableness to the conclusions already reached by common experience. It is pleasant to know that, even in mature life, it is possible, by a little persistent effort, to acquire a desirable habit. It is good, if not pleasant, to know also with what fatal ease we can slip into bad habits. But the most comfortable thing in this view of habit is, that it falls in with our natural love of an easy life. We are not unwilling to make efforts in the beginning with the assurance that by and by things will go smoothly, and this is just what habit is in an extraordinary degree pledged to effect. The mother who takes pains to endow her children with good habits secures for herself smooth and easy days, while she who lets their habits take care of themselves has a weary life of endless friction with the children. All day she is crying out, do this, and they do it not, do that, and they do the other. But, you say, if habit is so powerful, whether to hinder or to help the child, it is fatiguing to think of all the habits the poor mother must attend to. Is she never to be at ease with her children? Training in habits becomes a habit. Here again is an illustration of that fable of the anxious pendulum, overwhelmed with the thought of the number of ticks it must tick. But the ticks are to be delivered tick by tick, and there will always be a second of time to tick in. The mother devotes herself to the formation of one habit at a time, doing no more than keep watch over those already formed. If she be appalled by the thought of overmuch labor, let her limit the number of good habits she will lay herself out to form. The child who starts in life with, say, twenty good habits, begins with a certain capital which he will lay out to endless profit as the years go on. The mother who is distrustful of her own power of steady effort may well take comfort in two facts. In the first place, she herself acquires the habit of training her children in a given habit, so that by and by it becomes not only no trouble, but a pleasure to her. In the second place, the child's most fixed and dominant habits are those which the mother takes no pains about, but which the child picks up for himself through his close observation of all that is said and done, felt and thought in his home. 
Habits Inspired in the Home Atmosphere. We have already considered a group of half-physical habits, order, regularity, neatness, which the child imbibes, so to speak, in this way. But this is not all. Habits of gentleness, courtesy, kindness, candor, respect for other people, or habits quite other than these are inspired by the child as the very atmosphere of his home, the air he lives in and must grow by. End of Part 4 Preface Some Habits of Mine, Some Moral Habits